0: Everyone, Rebecca here. I just wanted to let you all know that the official Patreon page for How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident is now live. We're offering things like early access to episodes, video recordings of episodes, bonus content, and more. So head on over to patreon.com slash fuck to subscribe. Thanks for listening. Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? My name is Rebecca, and this is the podcast where I interview my friends and peers to figure out, well, how the fuck they got to be so confident. In this episode, I chat with performer, teacher, and bestselling author, Margot Lightman. We talk about the importance of not comparing yourself to others, cleaning out the real estate in your brain, letting go of being self-critical, and so much more. This is How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? with guest Margot Lightman.
1: Hey.
0: Hi. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining it, For joining Thank me, for joining us. Uh, so usually the first question I ask guests is what does confidence mean to you? So some people have said, you know, it's failing and trying again. Some people say it's just being curious about the world around me. When you hear the word confidence, what do you think of?
1: The first thing that comes to mind is a person that doesn't care too much about uh, comparison to others.
0: And I'm ta- uh, I take notes during this. So if you see me writing, that is
1: why. Okay. I love taking notes. I'm a big note taker. <laughs> me too. But I think it's that. It's like the lack of comparison to others, accomplishments, looks, wealth, uh, lot in life, etc., house, whatever that may be. I think right. when a person can not keep score in that way, because uh, I think if you're keeping score, you're always losing. So I think that if a person can let go of that, they can find their confidence.
0: Do you consider yourself a confident person?
1: I think I am a confident person.
0: Have you always been a confident person or is this like a new journey? Like, were you a confident kid?
1: I think that I have spent a life of people trying to knock the confidence out of me. Hmm. And I think that I at this point where I am in my life, I'm like, it's here to stay. And I really don't care anymore. Yeah. But I mean, I spent like many years in um, middle and high school being really bullied for being, a straight I I, what I think is a fabulous dresser but too many people a very strangely dressed teenager I
0: saw your yeah you did like an Instagram post about this I think recently oh
1: gosh yeah I was really it really stays with you though but I was bullied a lot in high school like to like what I mean by that is like a girl waited at my locker every day she was like waiting to say what the fuck are you wearing today so she could attack me holy shit and uh based on what I was wearing and like just or get people around to make me feel scared when I walked into school that it happened to me a lot. And then, like, when I would get up to throw my trash and I would stand up, there would be a lot of laughter over just like what I was wearing, like cafeteria, you know, like big. So it's like moments like that that I think really was trying to get the confidence knocked out of me. And then I think in college, it came back in a way of uh, I, w- I got to college and it was sort of celebrated to be strange and odd and different. And then once I moved to New York City, it, it really knocked me down again. So it's kind of waves. Yeah, it's so
0: interesting. That's like a common thing where it's like middle school, high school, your confidence is down. And then college, everybody's yeah. weird. Like we accept everybody, and then you go into the real world, yeah. and they're like, but not you. Um, right. Which, you know but what I mean? Everyone
1: I think is weird in New York City in their truly, own way. Truly, it's a great place to move if you are a little strange. But you're you're it, it's a very hard place to rise up that makes where, sense like yeah where
0: yeah. where did you where was your college
1: or your high school experience what like city did you grow up in oh I grew up in Madawan New Jersey Central Jersey oh, okay so and- it was kind I don't know what it's like now but it was a big football town where, mm-hmm. where, when I was there which was not my thing and then right. it was a kind of big on science and math which was not my thing it didn't really at the time I was there have a strong like theater program at the time I think it has since and it did before but during my era not so much so that really wasn't a cool thing yeah. um, but I wasn't even in the place like I couldn't even get in the place so and I felt like I wanted to be a dork and the, a theater dork but yeah. I like, couldn't even get to that so but I mean I owned a business when I was in high school a fashion business uh, I owned a store I had a business Wait, on the, and the I worked at, yeah. So I was like a very strange, like I was very in, in immersed in the world of fashion when I was in high school and a little bit, yeah.
0: yeah. Wait, you owned your own business?
1: Yeah. In with, high school? Yeah, when I was a senior in high school with a, a girl who was uh, four years older than me. So she was like in her early twenties. Yeah. And so I worked there on the weekends. Yeah, I owned a vintage clothing business and I, we had a storefront and everything. So that was That's awesome. huge. That's a yeah. lot of
0: responsibility for someone in high school.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of responsibility. Did that
0: yeah. contribute to your confidence at all? Just like having that extra responsibility?
1: I think at the store, because I think people thought I was older than I was. I think I felt pretty confident there, like running a business. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was a co-boss of something when I was 18 years old, which was pretty cool, yeah. That is so cool. Um, Yeah then I got scholarships for fashion and stuff, and that's what I was going to go into. But then to be frank, I was kind of burnt out by the time I went to school because with that and still being in high school and everything, I, I was fr- a little bit fried with it. So I decided to go in a different direction and then I ended up going to school for theater. But I applied to most of my schools as a fashion design major.
0: Oh, wow. And when you yeah. were, gr- did you have any siblings growing up? Yeah, I have an older brother. Did, how did that affect your confidence in growing up? Because did you guys go to the same school?
1: Like, yeah, but was he he's there before you. Yeah, but he's older than me enough that we were never in school together. Oh, so I see. It wasn't really. Um, and my brother was, in my opinion, he would say differently. I think he was much more fit in more at my school than I did. Mm. He did. He played a few years of football, and he was super smart and got good grades and everything he might say differently but in my opinion he has a lot more friends that he's still in touch with from high school which is really cool yeah that I do yeah because I think it was a better experience for him but yeah let, let him speak to that
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so then you were okay so you owned your own fashion store and had a storefront and then you applied to go to fashion school and then what change when did that change over to theater
1: um, you know, what's so funny about this is that I was like, uh, it was a challenge. I think going to school for fashion for me, I, I was everywhere I applied, they were like, please come. And, uh, you know, very excited to have me because I had this amazing resume for someone my age, you know, mm-hmm. and theater was like, uh, maybe she can come she's she's like nothing on her resume and like she just she wasn't even in the school plays basically and I don't it seemed like an uphill battle and I kind of liked that uh I liked the fact that you know like it was a club I couldn't really get into and so I, I just barely could and I like you know I was applying to like theater conservatories and schools and stuff. So yeah, I barely could get in anything to anything. So I think I like that challenge.
0: Did you like but transfer or did you like, did you start in fashion or, or you just-
1: applied? No, I never went to fashion school. Oh,
0: you just like so applied- I Let it go. Year.
1: Yeah. But then I when I was in New York as a struggling, when I was first starting out, I temped a lot in the fashion business because of my fashion resume. And that was a confidence uh, decreaser. Definitely. <laughs> Wait, why? Explain. <laughs> because I was temping at like Ralph Lauren and Hermès, and uh, I worked for a really. I was on a really long time term temping job in the store, uh, the offices for Barney's, and these were like these fancy clothing places. And my temp agent was like, "Wear black, do this," you know. And I, I didn't have like the right clothes. I didn't have the right personality, and I was in a de- a cubicle. And to the right of me, the girls' names were Lauren and Lauren, and to the left of me, the girls' names were Stephanie and Stephanie. And I was in the middle, and every day, this girl would come to invite people to lunch. She would go, does anyone want to go to lunch? Lauren, Lauren, skip. Stephanie, Stephanie. <laughs> I just remember being like invisible. Uh, but I also like, didn't want to work in fashion anymore. So they, I couldn't get fired. Like all the temps that worked there were there because they were trying to, you know, like it's like being the receptionist at an, a talent agency. You probably are looking in some, well, in my experience, many people want to get into that business. So it's a good way in. They can meet people. Same with fashion. So, but I didn't want to work in it. So I just couldn't get fired because I just didn't give a shit, which is a good lesson for life. But <laughs> like they kept extending. A temp is not supposed to be there for like a year. I was there for like a year, maybe more. Because you were just I- good at it. Well, anytime one thing ended, they moved me to a different department. I wasn't good at temping. No, I was terrible at temping. Well, they I, kept you. They kept me because I wasn't pushy. Mm. I was like, look, at the time I was acting a lot in New York and I was like, just let me leave for auditions and I'll do what you ask me to do. And that's it. And they're like, great. And then eventually I left too many times for auditions and that's why I was fired. Mm.
0: And that at that time, were you going to? The,
1: did you go to theater school or conservatory school or before that yeah i did go to theater school before that yeah
0: okay what was your time I
1: got, like what was
0: right your now. no as to say what was your time like in theater school did you feel like it was a space that you fit in more or did you uh, did you feel out of place or how did you feel
1: i would say that is the most i have ever fit in my life
0: i feel the same way i just yeah. went to conservatory i didn't go to like full i, I couldn't afford like full fledged but like mm-hmm it was, yeah, it was the, I felt like I fit in the most there really? because you're, yeah. Cause you're around like, like-minded people trying to make art and like, are just learning about other people and what they mm. like and what they don't like. And yeah. What ta- I would love to hear more about your experience there.
1: I, I loved it. I don't know. I remember, I remember being asked on dates when I went there and being like shocked about that. I remember uh, getting cast in shows um, and being shocked about that. I, rem- I mean, a lot of things. So I think at the time that I went there, my confidence was pretty low. And then um, it just kept increasing. I was getting, I mean, I graduated with honors uh, and summa cum laude and everything like that. So like it was, I w- and my grades in high school were not good. I mean, they weren't terrible, but I was like uh, Probably a slightly below average student in high school. And in college, I was in, like an A student. So it shows what changes, you know, when you're in an environment where, well, first of all, you're not being put down a lot and bullied. And then, second of all, where you're in an environment where you're learning something that you care about. But I mean, I would just like consume plays and read and just, I was obsessed. I would like go to studios after hours and dance and like work on routines. And I would, I wasn't a singer, but I mean, I would, if people were like working on stuff, I would help and give notes. Now I think back and I'm like, God, there's nothing worse than making a friend listen to your monologue. That <laughs> I used to do that all the time. Like not only listen to it, but being like, I have a few to choose from. Can you listen to all oh, of these? We,
0: oh, and they're all like that tuna fish one or whatever. There's one about that like, one from? Oh God, I think it was written it was like written for a monologue
1: book oh, like the it's monologue not even book yeah the monologue book I and it's that like book.
0: a can it's like someone who gets mad about a like someone in the way of their can of tuna fish and I've heard it so many times
1: so many times oh, wow um <laughs> but yeah but yeah for I know me that it was like a lot of John Patrick Shanley oh, of monologues. of course and then I mean mostly that yeah yeah
0: which like gotta move we gotta move forward there's more there's there's more playwrights out there
1: Right. And I think there were plenty then too. <laughs> I just, that's what we did. I mean, I there was no shortage at the time. No. Just a lot of that. A lot of that. Yeah. What do you, he did what do you, write good monologues.
0: Yeah, yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what do you attribute that confidence shift to just finding what you
1: love? Oh, Wow. Uh, I think it was a collaborative effort. I think I think that my confidence decline in high school and middle school was significantly due to bullying. I mean, literally, if there's a girl slash horde of girls waiting to ruin your day at your locker every morning, like you're conf- eventually that's going to get to you. Um, although a therapist once told me that I continue to dress outlandishly in some sort of like I don't know now I don't remember what he said but he like analyzed it once he's like but your continuation not giving in was almost like a a way to like fuck with the system even more and I was like yeah I guess so but it made me dress crazier um, and crazier and crazier uh because I was like they're gonna they they keep bullying me and so I don't know I remember the very end of high school I was so sick of it all and people, especially the cafeteria stuff, because cafe, it was just like, oh God, I have to throw out this half a bagel. But I don't, like, do I, do, do I keep it in my backpack all day? or I risk like getting laughed at by going in the garbage can? Like, that's oh how I God. would feel by the end of the year. So I remember lining up at the end of, lunch one day and I was wearing these bright orange pants which were my favorite. I had two pairs of bright orange pants. One was velvet and one was Dickies. Like the like I guess Uh they were hunting pants. I don't know. But I had two different pairs and I was wearing one of them and these guys behind me were laugh, like audibly laughing and making fun of me. And I could hear it clear as day. And they were like snickering and whispering and I turned around I don't know what came over me. And I said, look, if you guys have something to say to me, you can say it to my fucking face. And they all just like stopped and they're like, we weren't saying anything. I go, yes, you were. I heard all of you. And they're like, we didn't say anything. You're crazy. You know, like that whole yeah, thing. Sure. Right?
0: Gaslight, yeah, sure. Gaslight you.
1: And then I turned back around and then I left and I bell rang and I walked out the door and this kid followed me and he was like, Margo, Margo. And I didn't even know these guys knew my name. And he was like, look, look, we were talking about you. And I was like, okay. And he goes, we just didn't want to admit it. Cause, cause like <laughs> we don't want to get on your bad side. And I was like, my side and I remember so clearly like something shifted in that moment I was like are they scared of me just as much as I'm scared of them and it was this whole thing of like I think that these guys were also sort of scared of this strange girl and a moment of like I, I don't know things shifted it was like a power dynamic shifted in that moment that when he said your bad side I remember really clearly and that was like the very end of high school for me it was a really big moment. I, I don't know. So then when I got to college, I think I just was like, I'm strange. I don't care if you're going to bully me. This is what I'm used to. I think it was just, I had nothing to lose, but then suddenly it was like, I could start over and no one knew that I was five foot six when I was 10 years old. No one knew that I didn't lose some of my baby teeth until I was in high school. Nobody knew like all of these like crazy things that made me such a dork. Like no one knew any of it when I got to high school yeah, I mean not high school. excuse me, college college.
0: yeah, yeah. did it just feel like in that moment, like you had more power than you thought you had?
1: I think so. But I think it's like we're all just scared kids in high school it was also oh. what was going on. You know, yes. we were all they were just kids scared and wanting approval, and so was I in some way when when that happened with that group of guys. So it was really eye-opening. yeah, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, um.
0: Okay, so then you go to college, you feel like you're fitting in, finding your voice, finding your place, doing what you love. And then after you graduate is when you start temping?
1: Probably, oh, graduation was rough, I think. I think that was a low point in confidence for me. I remember having no idea what I was gonna do with my life. Mm. And I went to school for theater, but I wasn't a true, I'm not in your, like you in the sense that I don't think I'm a true actor. I did some acting and worked as an actor a bit in New York, but kind of when I moved to LA, I switched gears. So I don't know that acting was my truest passion, but I love the arts. So it was a confusing time for me because I actually didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't, some people were going to get master's degrees in acting. Some people were moving to LA to like really go for it or New York to really go for it. People were going in a different direction. Like I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I think that was a really hard time. But I didn't start temping right away. I don't think I, I worked for the roundabout theater when I first graduated. And then I went back to college and was hired as a director at my college for like two months or something like that, which was like magic. I got to go back to college. (laughs) So the whole time after I graduated, it was this weird thing of like, well, I'm going back. So it doesn't really matter. Nothing matters. I'm going back. And then when I went back, it, you know, it's that weird feeling of like you can never go back. And then once that was over, I think my life really started. I got a waitressing job, which I think which where I met some really close friends that I'm still friends with today. I started dating a guy that was like my first serious adult relationship. And I started doing sketch comedy and and taking classes that used to be and doing all this stuff. And like that's when my life kind of changed.
0: What did you do in those moments where you felt like low and you didn't you didn't have the confidence that you have now? Like during that transition period after you graduated, what did you, can you think of anything you did that like helped build you oh, back helped.
1: up? Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Destructive behavior? Yes. No, uh, uh, well, I can both. tell you all about that. Well, both. I went on a lot of dates, I think for validation of some sort. I went on a lot of dates with people I was not interested in. Um, that was it, a big thing. To did help it help out. or hurt? Oh, no, help or hurt. It didn't help. Did it hurt? No. Yeah. Did it help? No. Long term, probably not. It was just a neutral. It was a stupid. But I think yeah. I did a lot of that. Like, I'm I'm 21. I can go on a date. So there's that. Like I don't know. I I did that. Did not help. What did help? Um, oh, good friends. I mm. think real true friends helped. And I think that was pretty much it yeah uh the true friend the the like real friends I had were what got me through feeling lost and not knowing who I was or what I wanted to do my life which also I didn't figure out what I wanted to do my my life for a long time so yeah what okay
0: so this is still in New York so then when did you move to LA Mm, 2011
1: so almost 10 years ago
0: Okay. So then what brought you, what brought you to LA work? Okay. What specifically?
1: Um, Well, a lot changed, um, between those lost years and the time when I moved to LA a lot, a lot, everything. I mean, what brought me to LA, I was working, I was working a lot, uh, teaching work, corporate storytelling workshops to a huge ad agency that was based out of here. For like six week chunks. And I think it was the third time that I had to come out here for six weeks while living in New York. And at that point, I just was like, this seems silly to live in New York, but keep having to come out here. Let's switch gears and live in LA and then travel from LA if we need to go back to New York.
0: So at that point, you were already doing a lot of storytelling. You had already, like, okay, okay, so I skipped a huge chunk then. I guess we need to go. The
1: Lost Years.
0: Explain the Lost Years
1: basically what are the last years? all of my 20s in new york is the lost years but but what happened during the last years the best stories oh hell yeah life, the best stories what happened i met a lot of my best friends uh i the funniest moments uh the most shameful moments the things i wish i could take back the things that i learned from i mean everything i don't know i mean like booking a commercial but then like being falling down drunk the night before and going to the commercial with laryngitis and not being able to talk like things like that (laughs) and then like they promised not to tell my agent if I promised to come back in and dub my voice in without being paid like things like that (laughs) and you know what it worked it was fine (laughs) yeah it all worked out (laughs) out just fine I mean like things like that like oh my god how unprofessional you right like yeah that's your 20s in
0: new york oh my god i i think we all have a story of our 20s in new york of getting drunk and falling down i got drunk fell down broke my ankle after i ha- heckled uh, my ex-boyfriend I might have told the story in one of your workshops actually really after i heckled my ex-boyfriend at his stand-up show because he was like leading me on and like invited me to this show and invited his new girlfriend and we were both there and so then i got drunk oh. and heckled him and then ran home and broke my ankle drunk and then
1: oh no yeah. that doesn't work that's we, not the right thing it's your 20s in New York you know that's oh so many things right So I mean, many things so many things I mean I remember like going to parties and not realizing it and then walking up the door and be like oh it's daytime like it's the next day yes I didn't realize that it was the next day and then going I remember going out to breakfast uh, and after one of those wild nights and realizing that it was mother's day and everybody was at the diner with their moms and I had not gone to sleep yet the night before and I was like with my girlfriend <laughs> so things like that I have so many memories like that and it's just like you know and then like things I did that I thought were art that are just so shameful <laughs> just not art no shameful just, like, I can't imagine just, like, crap that I was like this is edgy and now I'm like mm, this is just Inappropriate,
0: <laughs> like that. yeah. Well, how did you get into storytelling? Because you have two, you have two books, maybe three, three. books. I've written th- three books, yeah. Three books. Yeah. Um, so how did that? Because that's like one of the loves of your life, I'm assuming. If you wrote yeah. about it, yeah, or wrote, wrote books about it. So, how did you get involved in that and how did that evolve into what it is today?
1: So, I think during those lost years, yeah, I started. I think I had just had a breakup and I was in my late twenties. So there's like a lot of time. It was like almost, I don't know how old you were in graduate college, 21. So like 27 ish years of like lost years where it's insane. And then I remember being at my, just having this breakup and like being at my parents in New Jersey and reading a book off their shelf that was by Spalding Gray and, um, and then going to a bookstore and then picking up a book by the writer, Jonathan Ames, that was a memoir. And between the two of them, they were both like really personal stories on, on paper. And I remembered being like, oh, people can write like this. People can say these things and this can get published. And I remembered feeling like something just clicked that that was because I had done so much stand up and it never was what I wanted. I, I would do stand up and I felt like, I don't know, I have friends that do stand-up and they're amazing and they watch stand-up specials and they research and they love watching stand-up and doing it and they can't live without it. And like, that is so admirable and it is so not me. Mm -hmm. But yet I would read a memoir and I would read autobiographical works and I loved biographies and I loved anything that was a true story. And I would consume that and I never even noticed how much that's what I much preferred. So basically what I did was I started, sorry, there's an airplane. Um, I started telling stories in my stand-up when i was booked on a stand-up show i would instead tell a full story it, 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 Sneak it sneaking in to the set and it started working and then eventually my friend and i started a storytelling show because of that and now this is like 2007 uh and then we started a storytelling show which was not there weren't that many in new york at the time right. and um and there was like a line around the block we turned people away for the very first night and i realized how much People wanted it. So that's kind of how it began, but it started from reading and just being inspired by that.
0: It also takes confidence to be like, okay, we're going to go find a theater and put on a show that there really isn't, there aren't many shows like this type of show. And we're going to rent the space and we're going to hopefully make our money back or I don't, you know, whatever the details are. But even just taking that step to find a theater and do something that nobody's done before you um I and I I wonder if it's just like being in the city being on your own being in the arts having this degree behind you having good friends like all of that led you to start your own show I mean that's that's just I
1: mean we had put up shows I had put up shows before but they were stand-up shows right I yeah but in this format I think I'm I was just like I want to do this and there's not enough. Sh- I mean, there was like one or two at the time. I could be, I mean, I'm sure there were many that I didn't know about, but right. I knew of like one or two. Yeah. And I had gotten on those. And then I was like, and then, sorry, why is this ringing? And so I was like, well, how do I um, get on another show? Then? Yeah. And then I was like, I guess I have to start my own.
0: Oh, but I love that mentality being like, how do I do, how do I get on that thing? Oh, I guess I'll just do it myself. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I know it's a good mentality. It really is. 20s in 20s in New York is kind of a fuck it mentality.
0: Yeah, it really is. Ooh, I love a fuck it mentality. So how did the how did uh, when did you start writing books and like, I mean, three books is
1: huge. Yeah, hopefully more too. I mean, this this year has been a doozy. But um, how did I start writing books? So around that time. I started saving my like, so now I'm not working at Barney's, I'm not waitressing, now I'm bartending and substitute teaching, those are my two jobs, so I, and then I saved my money and I took a bunch of writing classes, memoir writing, personal essay writing, writing from personal experience, things like that, I took classes at the new school, I took classes at Gotham Writers Academy, I took private classes, I took like, and I kind of got a second degree without getting right. a degree, like in writing like I mean I basically because I remember and my older brother was really great he gave me really great advice because I was like I think I want to go back to school for writing and he was like well and of course this isn't for everyone but for me it was very valid advice he was like well you could go and get a master's in writing and have six figures of debt and never become a writer because it's not something that has guaranteed placement you can go and Um, learn to be a dental hygienist and you're going to be one, which is great. But he's like, it doesn't guarantee that you will be one. So you might as well do what you can afford to learn it. And I thought that was really valid advice because I really was looking into going to grad schools. Um, I think I had even started some applications and stuff. So I started taking these classes and I think confidence, sadly, is somewhat dependent on someone you respects view of you and right. in those moments my I had no idea I did not know how good my writing was if it was good or not but my teachers all of them really really would keep me after class or you know use my writing as examples etc and I was like oh I finally feel like I'm good at something because in college I didn't really feel like I was the best at acting I was okay and then in stand-up I was it wasn't really my true passion so I was fine but it wasn't what I really wanted to be doing with my life and I knew that but I wasn't, I was not as good as some of the people I started out with that were so amazing at it and deserve everything they have. So at that point I was like, oh, I actually think this is something I'm really good at. And I think that something really switched. And that was like just what I wanted to do. And I was going to figure out how to do it for a living, right. And yeah. tell true stories for a living. And I was going to figure it out.
0: And storytelling's a very vulnerable um, art form because it's yeah. true story for people who've never, Seen a storytelling show, absolutely checks. I'm sure there's some on YouTube and Netflix and all of that good stuff, yeah. but like it's your real stories, what happened to you, and it's vulnerable. Was that something you were always comfortable with? Because, you know,
1: I think I was more comfortable with that than the lack of vulnerability I was showing in stand up. Interesting. Yeah.
0: I wonder where that stems from.
1: I, I don't know. I'm a very feeling person. And I yeah. felt like in standup, there was something for me and I, there are so many people that do it well, but something for me that had to be cool and tough and over it. And I didn't have to have that if I was telling a story, but of course I didn't have to have that in standup either. I just didn't have, I guess, the theme of the day, the confidence in my standup to be that. Right. Um, yeah. Wow. And then, okay.
0: So then what? So you moved to LA, or did you meet your husband in New York or LA? New
1: York, yeah.
0: Okay. So then you, when did you have your kid?
1: In LA. Do you have multiple kids? I have two kids in LA, both in LA.
0: Okay. Okay. So you meet your husband in New York, and then you guys moved to LA. And a couple years later, yeah. A couple years later. Okay. And you are doing storytelling workshops at corporate.
1: So when we first moved here, yeah, I had a yeah. good gig. I was working a, pretty frequently um, at an ad agency where I was working for their New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco offices. And I would like fly between the three. That's well, rad. It was wild. Yeah, it's so America. rad. It was so fun. And I went to Australia to work in storytelling right before I moved here. So we had a bunch saved from those jobs, yeah. So then like at that point, I mean, I would say there's like, the, the few years in New York that I did storytelling before I moved out here, I had to really, it was a struggle to retain my confidence because I had this situation where I had just been signed by a manager around the time that I really decided that I wanted to just do storytelling and I didn't want to do stand-up. And I was the first woman that they had ever signed at this comedy management company because they were like having trouble finding funny women or whatever excuse they used. Sure. I'm just going to let that sit there. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, and then I had this lunch with them and they were like, so let's talk about the plan. And I was like, well, I really would like to tell stories and I want to write stories and I want to tour. And, and they were like, no, 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 that's not, that's not a job. And I was like, no, I'm going to make it a job and we're going to work on this together and we're going to do, and they were like, could you just do stand up and I was cause they had signed me thinking that I was, I mean, I get, I sort of get it. It was like a bait and switch. Like they signed me as a stand-up, but like, I was like, look, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to do this, but they were not along for the ride. And so I think that those first few years in New York is a bit of an uphill battle of me trying to prove that I could make this a job. Mm. But that, again, I guess there was some confidence there because it inspired me not to say, fuck it, I won't do this, but to prove them wrong. Yeah
0: yeah yeah oh man um did they so then they stick with you even though you were like i'm not gonna do that no they eventually were like we we want someone who's doing stand-up
1: no um i think it was circumstances it's hard to remember i think it was neither i think they like disbanded or my personal manager went to a different company that it didn't rep comedians i don't remember yeah it was it was a Con- uh, what's it
0: called? Uncoupling. It oh, was a- oh, a conscious, uncou- a conscious uncoupling.
1: Yeah. But it was like a, nobody was, <laughs>
0: yeah, no, fault. nobody broke up
1: with anybody. It was like yes. something had to do with the company. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. And then, so what is one of the, like the biggest challenges you've had as an adult for your confidence? Um, it doesn't have to be in LA, but maybe it is. is. Is it like, was it the having a kid? I mean, that to me seems like the ultimate Thing, I mean, and I don't have any kids, so I don't know, but it seems to me like that would be so hard and scary because it's so new and so fragile and important and like all of these things. Was that ever, did that ever shake your confidence or is that, was that, did that. I mean, yeah, it
1: shakes your confidence every day, Yeah. but um, I think even more so was the move here. I don't know. Did you ever, did you move here from somewhere else where you were working professionally? Yeah.
0: So I did uh, I was in Colorado and I did theater school there and then I did my conservatory in New York and then moved from New York to LA yeah I we
1: moved home. here right after your conservatory in uh, New York
0: y- yes yeah okay
1: I don't know if your experience is similar or not you can tell me but it was more I when I moved to LA that was like a sh- like shooting of confidence downhill because when I moved here, I was like, I've done this, this, and this in New York. I've been on this, this, and this show in New York. I'm, and I thought it was my whatever if year in, in show business, but when I moved here, it was back to my first. Right. And no one gave a shit about my credits or what I had done. I was at the bottom of the barrel again after, you know, it was almost like I was a senior and then I was a freshman again. Yeah. And I think that first year in LA was the lowest my confidence had been in a long time. Yeah. That's
0: huge. I mean, moving is huge. And like, see, I think the reason I didn't feel that way is because I hadn't built anything up like like you had already right. that's why I was asking how long because I
1: was wondering yeah
0: you had already like built it built up your career and your resume and like I hadn't done it I didn't know anybody I hadn't done anything I was like very fresh whereas you you were seasoned you already did all these things so I can imagine
1: thought I had built up my career and resume until I moved here and they were like no that's not a built-up career (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but in new in new york i thought it, it, it i had a scene and i had yeah. a reputation etc and then i came here and it was like no and i remember being because i was still doing a fair amount of acting when i left new york and i thought i would continue with that here and i remember going to like and they were like we have to go back to those meet the casting director workshops which i had not kind of phased out in new york mm-hmm. and i went to one on a scat- my Saturday to go to one and the ca- we all waited for a really long time and the casting director never came and no one like was that apologetic about it like finally someone came in and was after we were there for like over an hour and they're like so and so's not coming just put your email down here and we'll email you when so and so will come back and everyone was like oh thank you so much thank you so much and <laughs> we're going in and being like can I get my money back yeah <laughs> and everyone was like Ooh. and I was like oh, I don't, I don't want to say thank you after you've just made me sit here for an hour on Saturday for nothing. I just don't want took to my back. money. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, just give me my money back. And that's, we're done. Yeah. And I remember being like, oh, in New York, I would have hustled for that more in my first few years. I I'm not there anymore. And these people are willing to give their all. And that is awesome. But I felt like, oh, I don't care that much anymore. I'm willing to move on. Like it was, that was another moment where I was like, oh, not, not my main thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Are you still, do you, you're still acting, no?
1: No, not really. Really? When did you decide you just were over it? Around the time I moved here. Really? Yeah. I think I had to pick a lane and stuff with writing. I mean, my friend kept saying, give it a year in in LA and I don't judge anything until a year. And by the end of that year, I had, I had done a lot of work that felt like I was doing nothing. And then by the end of that year, I had sold like a, made for TV movie and a book and signed with a new agent. Like it was like, a, it all was like at the one year mark, but it was all in writing. Right. And I just was like, I'm just going to pick a lane here. And I'm really glad I did. Yeah.
0: Okay. So then what, did you ever experience anything in this like writing realm that knocked your confidence? Like, did, were you told yeah. no ever? Were you? <laughs> were,
1: were you yes. <laughs> oh my God. People thanks. don't know
0: how hard, how hard it is. Like okay to, to, to write things to make things to do anything my, in this fucking industry
1: my first book okay my first book I an agent came to me in New York because they like he liked my uh live storytelling I thought I could do a funny memoir I wrote a funny memoir he signed me I wrote the funny memoir I turned it in and he unsigned <laughs> me <laughs> he was like no, I don't like this, after I did, so then I had to find a new agent. And then uh, I eventually did uh, after some rejections. And then I wrote another book that went out to every publisher manageable, imaginable and didn't sell. And so then we re like worked the entire book under a different uh, hook for the memoir. And I reworked the whole Then that went out to a million people. Then she called me one day and was like, look, I just don't think we can sell this unless you have a bigger career accomplishment that makes you a bigger household name. I just don't think anyone's gonna buy this. I'm sorry, I think you need to let it go. And then I cried and I grieved this major goal because all I wanted to do was write a book at this point. Mm-hmm. And then she called me like a week later and said, this has never happened, but a publisher changed their mind and they wanna buy it. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And then that book was not even a hit. It was like a tree fell. Fa- it's like, I sold this book. <laughs> it wasn't like a disaster. It just was like yeah. a tree fell in the woods and no one heard it. It was just kind of a book. But then my second book was a huge hit. And that's another story. But the failure is actually was really hard you know
0: yeah but what do you what do you personally do to overcome those things like do you have like a routine or uh do, do you go to therapy meditate like what is your like short-term sort of coping mechanism mm,
1: I do all of those things that you just said but uh how did I get over I think that I didn't see it For me, I mean, I cried a lot. I really did cry a lot when she said this isn't going to happen. Yeah. I really did. But I think when it did come out eventually, and then it was like not as big of a runaway success. This is my first book, Gawky, which I still stand by. I think it's a great book. But um, when it wasn't the runaway success that I thought it would be, or had not thought, I had hoped it would be, I think I didn't let that get to me. And I think I was like, you published a book. You're like, a no, nobody knows who you are. You're not famous. You published a book. You've been trying for years to do it. And that take that as the win. And so I don't think I let it get to me. And then when my second book was such a runaway hit, I was pleasantly surprised, which was much better feeling than, you know, in any way, you know, hoping for that and then being disappointed. I was pleasantly surprised by its success.
0: Well, it's almost like knowing your worth yeah. as an artist and like what you contribute to society and like, knowing like, oh, that's not a hit, but like, I fucking stand by that. Like, that's a good book and like, you know, cultivating that sort of knowing, knowing your worth mentality. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think that I didn't let it. So, I mean, yes, I do all of those things, therapy, meditation, all of those things. Sure. Yoga. I mean, long walks, hiking, all of that stuff to manage stress. But I think it was a matter of, keeping the right mindset about it. Um, because for me, when I go back and I look at old journals and I see things, it's always, the dream was always to write books. Like that's when I was a kid that, you know, I have a journal entry that talks about it in such great depth about how much I wanted to do, what I wanted to do in writing books. And I always say that when people, you know, when I I moved to New York, I'm a bit older than York, in the city era. Like, right at the tail end of that, right? So, everyone was watching Sex in the City and saying, like Are you a Carrie or a Miranda or a, whatever that, that, that right? Names. And I was like, I, I'm none of those people. I want to be Candace Bushnell, the person who wrote the book. Oh, like that's and I always would say that, and people like, uh, And I was like, Look, she wrote the book, she turned in, she makes money on every episode. Like, I don't want to be one of those women. Like, that's not what I want. I want to be the lady that creates the world. And, so for me being an author even if i had only got to do it once would have been the dream so yeah
0: what has teaching taught you what has teaching okay. other people taught you cuz that's something i'm always interested yeah. in by like the teachers that have cuz you taught me um yeah. the teachers that have impacted me i'm always like i wonder what they have learned during this, this whole process. Have you learned anything by being a teacher?
1: Yeah, I learn every day. Um, I've learned, I mean, this is so cliche, but really that everyone does have amazing stories is, is something that even the least suspecting people have the most amazing life experiences. Um, you just have to dig to get the story out of them. And it never ceases to amaze me. I mean, I do a lot of right now in this strange year, I'm doing a ton of guest workshops with various companies and organizations just for a day, you know, coming Mm -hmm. in online and doing it. So I connect, I'll connect with a group of like 12 people for one day and never see them again. But yet we've had this most intimate three hour experience where people have shared wild things. I've never told anybody about themselves. And it's just so you'd walk in and you'd look at this group and be like, I don't know, maybe that girl has a story, but then like you hear and it's like, wow, everybody. So I think that, and the fact that the ability that I am surprised weekly, every week of my life, someone says something that completely shocks me, like shocks me that, that I would I've never heard before in my life. And I, it just like, I love that that every single week of my life, I am shocked by something that someone has experienced. And I think I can learn, I mean, so for me, it's like, there's no judgment on anybody. I I, I learned, I learned, I'm not a judgmental person at all. And I think I've learned that like creating that environment makes other people lose judgment as well. So I think that's my responsibility as a teacher is to make sure that it's a judgment-free zone. So people feel free to share. And then it's really such a compliment when someone deeply shares in a class that I'm teaching, because I feel like that they felt safe to do that. And that to me is just like, opens my heart so much.
0: Yeah. And that's also like, you have to remember that in your own work too. Like, like I'm going to share I'm going to create a non-judgmental space and I'm not going to judge anybody. And I'm also not going to judge myself because I know that, yeah. you know, as artists, we can oftentimes be like our own worst critics, um, which is, <laughs> or maybe it, you're
1: not, do you, are you self-critical? I am, but then I have to let it go because yeah. I realize that nothing matters. So the other, I'll give you a <laughs> So the other day I was teaching a workshop, a one-day workshop for three hours again with people that I'll never see again. And I would say we're like less than an hour in and I definitely shared an experience about getting a UTI in India, like definitely shared that in in depth, not only just getting the UTI, but like how I got it, which was like in by soaking in the bathtub every night and letting it go in through my vagina. Like it was great detail. Yeah, sure. And there were people's faces (laughs) <laughs> were just like, I just remember there was this like senior citizen man that was so horrified by me and then I just and then there was like one girl on the bottom with a um, she was she had kind of one of you know a look I wear a lot like a bandana on the hat like a Rosie yeah. the Ripper look yeah she was like with me yeah for the UTI story and she was probably the only one that was and I just remember being like okay you really should not have shared that and then being like well they're stuck with me for the next two hours and then you'll never see them again so just let it go and I, like, yeah. I had to let it go because I was like I've alienated them all they're all horrified but I have to let it go and I always think like a lot often you will never see these people again like if something embarrassing happens on an airplane I always think about that and yeah I was, like, I'll never see them again it's fine <laughs> so <laughs> But it's true. Yeah. Like nothing, like nothing matters.
0: Like it doesn't matter. Nothing matters and everything matters is like, that's a good, that's a good
1: quote. Yeah. I like mean, yeah.
0: you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, and ultimately nothing matters, but then also like everything matters.
1: So then where are we?
0: I don't know. It's, I don't know. it's the beginning of 2021. I don't know. I don't have an answer. Um, I don't have an answer either. <laughs> have you, what, what is like Is confidence something that you try to instill in your, in your kids, just bringing it back to family for a minute. Is that like, because I don't know where, was that something that your parents instilled in you? I was not. And I'm always curious to hear. How so
1: were you? Can I ask how so you were not? I know it's.
0: Um, yeah. So it was, I was brought up more as like the make other people comfortable, like do what you need to do to make other people feel comfortable. Whether that's downplay, if that means downplaying your personality, downplay it, if that means, you know, changing your appearance, change your appearance. Like, make the room comfortable. Um, was sort of how I was raised, and you know, that was. I, I wonder if it was. I was. I'm from the south. I wonder if that's a southern thing, like, pl- like being. I don't know, but it's definitely
1: not, not a New Jersey thing, which is where yeah. I'm from. <laughs> yeah, it's not a New Jersey thing. I, I mean, that's what's your birth order? My what? Like what order are you and your family? Similar?
0: Oh, I've never been asked birth order before. I'm like, what?
1: <laughs> First, um, second. Third. Second,
0: youngest of two. Youngest of two. Okay, so that's the same as me.
1: Um, I, think, I think I was getting in trouble for being a bit of a feminist at times. I would get in trouble for things like that. Like I do remember saying there was some game we were out of somebody's house and they wouldn't let me play the guys wouldn't let me play this like sports game and they're like well you can't play because you're something I go no I can't play because I don't have a penis is what I said and then I remember my mother removed me and it was a big thing uh, I mean but I don't know how old I was when I said it yeah but so but I mean it was things like that I remember like I got in a lot of trouble in school because we had some sort of thing about like constitution and then I remember I got in a, we had an assembly and I got in a lot of a big fight about censorship with the assembly person like in front of the school about freedom of speech yeah
0: like you're so much cool like that's yeah. you're already like a million times cooler than i was i was but, like what, what do you want okay i'll
1: do it but then getting in trouble for that like whereas i think you know but but i don't know if they were not really that disappointed or if they felt like well i guess she's supposed to be in trouble for this right um i don't know i grew up with pretty progressive parents specifically my dad really progressive so I always joke that my dad is one of these people that's so liberal. He's almost more close-minded than the most conservative people, you know? <laughs> like, so only, I mean, my dad is more liberal than I am. So yeah. it's, it, I mean, and I am far liberal, but it's like sometimes like, or, or he's like a very staunch atheist. Right. You know? so I grew up in a house like that. So yeah. like my father is Jewish. And I remember saying this, uh, that somebody was like reclaiming their Judaism or going to live in Israel for a while or something like that. My Dad was like, Why? And I was like, Well, they're in touch with their faith. And he was like, Why would anyone do it? And I was like, So, do you know what I mean? Like, that's what yeah. I say. It's like, even more than me. I'm like, Yeah, so close. You're so close-minded. Like, you're so atheist that you can't even understand that he wants <laughs> to do it. So, and I, for me, I was like, If this makes him happy, let him do it. You right, know? Right, so, right, right. Things right. like that. So, yeah. I don't know. If I, I was- yeah,
0: it sounds like you had a more, much more of a like uh, open maybe open family like it just those that's so different like my, yeah I was definitely but I never you know I didn't get in trouble because I didn't ever speak out and I wish I was more oh, like okay. you. I wish I was more like okay. the 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 I was in
1: trouble a lot <laughs> a lot
0: yes yeah see, I, that was that would be so cool to me I was never I was never in trouble in high
1: school because I was just like but you're reframing all of this because again I thought I was this loser in high school and now people are saying like Oh, she, I didn't want to get on her bad side. And I'm wondering, like, as I'm describing myself to you, you're saying the same thing. I'm like, oh, I think people saw me in a totally different way than I saw myself.
0: I see you as like yeah. super cool, like super rad cool. Oh, like badass, you. badass. Bitch. When I was a teenager or now? No, no still now, both.
1: I mean, I think I was more vocal, then um, than I am now Yeah. because well, first of all, I'm trapped in my house and there's no assembly to be yelling at somebody. So I don't know. We'll see on the other side of this. How, how
0: I know (laughs) Uh, we'll see. Maybe we all come out of this with like completely different personalities, (laughs) like just different people. I will.
1: I know I, I might turn British if I watch another British murder mystery show. Like I think I'm becoming, I mean, I'm already drinking so much tea because of these British murder mystery shows I'm watching what so maybe- what
0: is what British murder mystery show all of them I've watched there's more them than one I didn't I this is all. a new genre to me
1: well I started with Happy Valley and then I realized that the lady from Happy Valley is on most of them and then I've watched like all of them but now I'm watching an American mystery show that it was like a sleeper hit starring Hugh Laurie and I did not well, I guess I'll just say it. I did not realize how sexually attracted I was to modern day Hugh until I watched this show. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it.
0: I'm gonna check it out then because I didn't. Day. I haven't. I just can't watch anything these days.
1: I just like. Oh. I'm just like. I can't do it. So what do you do at night? Read. Oh, that's good. I mean, I do both. Yeah, read or either. just
0: like sit and look out the window and wonder when this is all gonna be over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, was
0: I'm so interested in your this love of fashion it's not even a love of fashion it's a love of artistic expression and did was either were either of your parents like into artistic expression through
1: clothing no, no. but um my grandmother I, my grandmother was essentially anti-mame like my grandmother lived in manhattan worked at cartier wore purple glasses like this but like with rose tints at all times um had long red fingernails smoked more 120 cigarettes had a pink chaise lounge
0: that is literally my goal that she is my goal of how i want to be yeah she had long red nail the cigarette everything
1: yeah she had the phone um the gold you know gold on each side phone rotary dial She had. i mean long beyond the time we would have rotary dials she had a pink piano that she played like, and she wore like marabou, I think that's what it's called, but we would call it like a feather boa. Like she had like negligees with marabou on them. This is my dream woman. So that was, was my grandmother, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that was very influential on in me. I was like, oh. but I mean, I'm not glamorous and I don't have the style that she had, but uh, that type of style, like she was very glamorous. Right. But um, I think that she was, she was, she was awesome. Yeah. So I think that's where I got it from. I love yeah. that. And I, my mother is a great sewer also. My mother is a great, great sewer. So you and got, got to like make your own, she got to help you like make your yeah. own. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really a great sewer, but I yeah. could design something. There was a frequent times that I would design something and she would make it like my prom dress, for example.
0: I was about to ask, what did you wear to prom?
1: Oh, well, my first year <laughs> I wore like a 1967 ish, like a paisley print <sighs> altar. With some uh, marabou or uh, what's it called, feather boa around the bottom trim oh, with like it. 60s eye makeup. Like, so this is like 1967, like Twiggy era. Yeah, that's like and my like, wedding. Well,
0: my wedding that's supposed <gasps> to happen in May, but that's like the style.
1: Oh, good. It's a yeah. great era. Yeah. And then the other one, the second one, I took it back and I wore uh, like, uh, not like, I wore an Elizabethan ball gown, like a bustle and a corset and everything.
0: Oh my God. That's so cool. Yeah. See, like I never had anybody to be like, that was super fashionable like that. So I never realized it was an art form until, honestly, until I got on an antidepressant a couple years ago. And all of a sudden I was like, (laughs) this new part of my brain opened up and was like, we can go vintage shopping. And I was like, okay, let's go do it. And then now it's like, you know, but I didn't have the bandwidth in my brain. Like my brain was just occupied with depression. And then as soon as I got on the right medication for an extended period of time, fashion became something that was interesting to me and painting. I start, I picked up watercolor.
1: That's so like, wonderful. That's awesome. really, it's like, what a great success story. I know. Right.
0: All thanks to my antidepressant and like finding the right one for me. And it took a long time, but like, it does. you know, but damn. But I'd I say that horrible. about
1: storytelling as well is that it, it, it's like it create, when you get a story that's circling in your head out, And you create real estate for something better to move in. So sometimes it's a negative story that needs to leave your head. Or sometimes it's a story you've been telling yourself over and over. Sometimes it's just something you want to share, but it's taking up real estate. And then once it's out of your head and then it's out into the world, it's no longer there. And then something new can come in. And it sounds like something similar like that happened with you when you you started that. that Yeah,
0: it's exactly what it is. Um, Okay, before we wrap up, do you have any like? piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is trying to cultivate more confidence in their life
1: Hmm. turn off your social media for a while yeah stop comparing to others stop comparing is huge and i think that is fed by social media is what i mean those two go together um and someone else that's struggling with confidence at the end of the day someone said something to me when I was really young that always stayed with me, which is that not everybody's going to like you. It's true. And it's really hard. It and is. You know, it's impossible to have everyone like you. So if you just want everyone to like you, it's just going to work in the opposite direction. It's like when I worked at parties, I didn't give a shit. And therefore I was like the longest running temp they ever had. But if I had been like, like me, like me, like me, like me, do this, do this, they would have fired me. Yeah, So totally. And yeah. that's like that's how
0: my my experience with like auditioning was too in, in the beginning when I first moved to LA and I was auditioning, I was like, what do you want? Okay, I'll do that. Well, I'll do it, I'll do it, I can do it. And people are like, we're not interested. And then as soon as I was like, oh, I'm actually gonna do it this way, is that cool? And they're like, yes, please make artistic <laughs> decisions. Like do the thing. And then they're like, oh, now we want that. And I'm like, oh yeah, you just have to like be yourself and make the choices that are in line with you. And it'll be right for some people and it won't be right for others and not to take it personally.
1: But that's easier said than done. It certainly is, and that takes probably decades to figure out, you know. I mean, and the people that it figure it out early, God bless them, but it takes a long time. It takes a long it
0: takes those lost years in New York City in your 20s. Lost years
1: fully on the floor. Okay. I'm gonna read
0: ankle. Oh yeah. I was in a boot and everything. Like a like a like a I had to go and I remember I remember being having to get on the plane to go to see a specialist in my hometown. I had to fly back to my hometown. I had to get, I was on, oh no, I was in a wheelchair. I had yeah. to have, I didn't have anybody. So I had to have like, you know, the flight, the people who work in the airport had to wheel me around and like just being mortified. But man, it's a really good story. It's one of my, uh, one of my go-tos. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm going to recap the notes I've taken and please um, correct me if I'm wrong or if my intention wasn't right. I always love a good note. So, okay. Um, these are Margot's tips for confidence. Be a person who doesn't compare themselves to others. Um, let go of keeping score. Have some responsibility. That was about like the clothing and owning a clothing line when you were 18, which is still so unbelievable to me. Um, go after what you care about. Remember you have nothing to lose. I love this. We're all just scared in high school. Like we're all just we're all just scared high schoolers sometimes. Um, you have more power than you think. Find real true friends. Develop a fuck it mentality. Find what you love and what you're good at. Prove them wrong. Therapy, meditation, know your worth, manage your stress, um, keep the right mindset, create a non-judgmental environment around you, which is so big. Um, let go of being self-critical. If it makes you happy, do it. Self-expression through clothing, art, etc. Clean out the real estate in your brain to, to bring space for new things. Um, stop comparing i.e. get off of social media for a little bit and not everyone's going to like you.
1: <laughs> I think I say stop comparing twice. I'm really into stop comparing. Yeah, we had to,
0: we had to just hit if that I had twice. Stopped comparing,
1: if I had stopped comparing a long time ago, I would have probably quit acting about five years. But I felt like because I was comparing myself to others, I had to keep doing it. And the same thing for stand-up. I probably wouldn't have stuck with it for so long it was all this like comparison to others around me that I had to do this too because people around me were doing it so yeah I would have that happen in other industries do you think like outside of entertainment
0: where people yeah it must like comparing to like the person who got the promotion and you didn't or whatever
1: you know yeah because I was like well if I just stick with this a little longer okay now I've gotten this tv credit I could get this tv credit and I could get this and now I've gotten this commercial but maybe I could get this role it was like you know, seeing where the other people that were on that trajectory were going. So I was heading there. So let's just stick with it. But yeah, I think so. I think if you work, you know, in the restaurant business and you don't really want to own your own restaurant someday, but this person's doing it and that person's doing it, I'm sure you're going to probably, I don't
0: know. Yeah. And then you're just doing yourself. things for the for the wrong reasons too. You're yeah. not doing it because you love it. You're doing it because it's like the path that you're currently on.
1: Oh, I do that a lot. Yeah. I have to finish everything I start, even if it's not good. So yeah, I should have let go of those things. Yeah. What sign are you? Libra.
0: Oh, I don't know very many Libras. I I have one Libra that I know that I just love. What are you? I'm a Capricorn. Oh yeah, one of my sons is a Capricorn, through and through. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate thank it. Uh, this has been so lovely, and um, yeah, this has just been such a treat.
1: It has been a treat. It's really nice to talk to you. I've been seeing anyone in so long, especially you. So this is really lovely.
0: It is. I know. Are you getting, do do you have your vaccine yet? Probably not, but hopefully soon.
1: No. Do you?
0: No. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I want to get that bad boy immediately.
1: Yeah. I don't fit any of these categories and I'm being honest about it, which. Me too.
0: Yeah. One day we'll get it. Yeah. It'll be great. (laughs) My parents got it. So I'm so excited. Yeah that's so exciting I'm so happy when I hear people who are getting the vaccine I'm like oh my god it's
1: actually happening my parents got it yeah and and I so I I'm so relieved yeah
0: that's incredible um well thank you so much again and uh we'll talk soon thanks for listening to this episode of how the fuck did you get so confident I love to hear from listeners about what has helped you build your confidence whether it's a favorite book or a mantra or maybe an event you went through leave it in the review section for me to check out. And you can also leave in the review section any topics that you would like discussed on the show. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much.